Welcome, everyone, to this week's edition of the Commercial Real Estate 101 Meetup Group. Uh, for those of you guys who are tuning in for the first time, uh, we started this group back in April of 2021 in response to COVID. We wanted to create a, a group and, and, and an ecosystem where people could learn about the commercial real estate industry. And each, each week, or every other week, I should say, we invite speakers uh, to talk about a variety of different subjects. Uh, this week's episode actually was an in-person meetup that we have here in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, we invited a gentleman named Boz Lindgren. He's a director uh, at Luckett and Farley, which is a local architecture and engineering firm in town here in Louisville. And we talked about the architecture and design process, uh, what it looks like from a ground up development standpoint, and also from a redevelopment standpoint as well. So we asked him a variety of questions. And we also had a Q&A at the end where people had an opportunity to ask questions. So I think you guys will gain a lot of value from this, uh, this discussion and episode. And uh, we'd love to hear your feedback and be sure to leave a five-star review for the podcast. It really helps with making sure that more and more people can hear this message and uh, supporting the community that we're trying to build here. So again, thank you all so much. And let's go ahead and dive into the episode. So I'm Jeff Walston, uh, the partner of Fidelity Development. This is why uh, one of the reasons why we wanted to do this uh, uh, CRE 101 meetup. So, uh, and our guest speaker here is Boz. He's from uh, Luckett and Farley. And then uh, co-host here is Raphael Giazzo, uh, from Grisanti uh, Group, the CRE uh, agency. So uh, we appreciate you coming out for us and uh, to drop some knowledge about architectural and a little bit of engineering and just tell us about Luckett and Farley. So what we like to do is to get to know the person that's sitting across from us. So if you could tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, you know, like where you started in your career and everything, that'd be great. Uh, thank you. And thank you for having me at a uh, cool event, cool opportunity. Appreciate the invite. Um, yeah. So I'm Boz Lindgren. I am uh, the civic and corporate commercial hospitality director at Luckett and Farley. That's a mouthful. That just means we do uh, retail and uh, community development. Um, uh, we are Luckett and Farley architects and engineers, also interior designers and planners. So we've got a full suite of design services in-house. Um, me, I'm uh, an architect by training, um, originally from Indianapolis uh, by way of uh, St. Louis for school and, and married a lovely lady from Louisville who's got a, a gigantic family that goes about 80 deep for Thanksgiving. So I, I was destined to be here in Louisville. Um, yeah, so that's a little bit about me on the personal side. Um, architect by training, like I said, and uh, spent a few years with Tucker Brooker Donhoff, now DKN, um, uh, six or seven years when we first got here to Louisville and have been at Luckett and Farley for the past 10 years. So uh, a little bit of a tenure there. Um, at Luckett and Farley, I've, I've kind of worked my way from uh, architect to project manager, uh, led our discipline managers. So uh, architects, engineers, uh, interior design planners, um, uh, led all of our technical staff for uh, several years and uh, picked up the market development stuff uh, following that. Uh, one of the things we like to ask people, you know, based on their background is what exactly got you interested in architecture itself? Um, you know, I'm, I kind of mentioned to you, I was, I come from an engineering background and so always a good di dynamic between architects and, and engineers. So what, what really got you interested in the, in the architecture space to begin with? Oh man. Um, so, so I worked, I worked through uh, high school and college uh, in construction, um, love creating things, love building things. Um, uh, and then spent the first part, first half of my college career in the art 
uh, world and uh, four and a half years worth of uh, art background taught me enough to know that I didn't have the desire to go do that um, professionally. So, uh, so jump to architecture. Had actually applied to architecture school out of high school um, uh, because I knew that I liked the construction of things. Um, apply the aesthetics to go along with art, um, uh, and architecture was a natural fit for me. Um, since then, uh, like, so I love, I love aesthetics. I love um, the beauty of buildings. I love uh, impacting the built environment of uh of our of our of our world um uh but at, like once i got into it and spent more time in it i realized that uh it is a very personal venture um especially for the people who don't do it professionally um and i love that uh, i love that connection with people i love that opportunity to uh connect and understand you know and work through the experience of creating something that somebody said hey i need you know i need an addition i need uh i need you know help me clean this up i don't know what this looks like and there's there's a long process to go along with that and uh working through that process and working and connecting with the people that i do that with is is a strong passion right now well that process i'm really curious about the process so if you can you said it was long but can we do like little uh summary of what that process would look like and then what are some questions uh say that a client comes to you guys and says hey i have a project i want to do uh what some questions should they ask so you guys can get started uh man so so really interesting right because um people come at at us from different angles i guess you know i'm sure everybody out there understands that process as well um people come at you from different perspectives different needs different understandings so uh within the architectural world you know if we're talking about greenfield uh build which is uh which is new projects new space um uh, it is uh it starts from the planning uh side of things and you know is the property planned zoned appropriately Do, you know is it r is it c is it you know what type of covenants go along with the property uh what type of um uh, what type of restrictions do you have from there you go and say oh you know what kind of utilities do you have like you, you know you're putting in a gigantic uh distribution center what do you need you know or manufacturing facility what type of uh uh, what type of electric water sewer is is available and what do you need to make it happen? So we work through uh, some of those items um, uh, and there's some entitlement processes that need that you need to work through. And that's uh, uh, working with a planner um, to a planner or civil engineer to work through uh, the uh, change of zoning process and the change, you know, working with MSD here locally, LG&E. Uh, to identify what's available, what is possible within within your uh, particular development. From there, you know, kind of fast forward a little bit because that takes forever. Uh, seems like it takes forever for somebody who likes to go fast. Um, uh, from there, then you start to, you know, um, you need to know what you're building. What's the program? Program is uh, kind of a list of spaces, whether it's, you know, 100,000 square feet worth of racking or if it's, you know, I need uh 3200 square foot um exam rooms it's it's a list of spaces that you're trying to determine build out uh lay out in the right way and um uh and then you're dialing in from that point uh engineers to help you put a structure around the building make sure that you've got the appropriate footings to carry the loads from the roof all the way down the wind will uh, not knock your building over you got mechanical engineers that um, will will come in and dial in the environment for you make sure that you've got the right airflow make sure that you got the right temperatures um humidity is all set 
electrics, um, uh, make sure that you've got the power. And then from there, you know, once you've pulled all of that design together, then you're putting it out, uh, depending on what type of method you do, you use to procure the building, you know, like it might go out to bid for uh, two or three contractors. When we work with the city, it goes out to anybody and their brother. So it's, uh, uh, we have to be, as architects and engineers, we gotta be real dialed in on that type of stuff. But um, then you go through the procurement method and as architects, sometimes we will help out with construction administration, which just means uh, you got a contractor, you've got uh, a, an owner and you got an architect and the architect's job is to kind of mediate between the two, the owner and the contractor, make sure that it's being built the way that you want it. And, and again, it just, it just showcases the amount of moving parts that are involved in any commercial project. I mean, it's not just the architect, it's also the engineers, like you said. Uh, there's there's a planning and zoning component as well, which is something that a lot of people struggle with when they are looking at a site and they think it's going to be perfect for a particular use. And then they realize, oh, wait, it's not properly zoned. And then there's a whole different process that has to go through in order to make sure that it actually fits what they're trying to do. And so um, it's, it's kind of here. It's good to hear you kind of explain that process, because a lot of times people just think, oh, why don't you just put X, Y, Z there? And it's it's a lot more complicated than just saying, let's just direct a structure. that's going to be a new restaurant or a new hotel or a new you know, theater or whatever. So, no, not and not to mention the owner who's got you know a thousand different things that they want it to be, and you're you know and you're working to try to understand what those are. Exactly, hundred percent. So on on the owner side, um, what are some of the common mistakes you see business owners make when they're or, and investors as well? We can kind of make this a two part question uh, when they're looking to you know go through the process of you know designing or, or, or engineering a structure. Oh man, what kind of mistakes? I don't, you know, like that sounds like a trap question because, yeah. you know, um, it, uh, you know, some of the challenges that we see are uh, expectations. Um, so early on, you know, uh, there might be a site that uh, that an, that a person owns and they want to put a certain use on it, and it's just not meant to be. Um, so uh, expecting what it should be, um, it, you're trying to look for things that marry up. So maybe it doesn't have the side access that you do, that you want. Maybe it doesn't have the view that you want. Maybe it doesn't have, uh, but and you can't you can't make some of those things happen. Um, uh, so you know having appropriate ex expectations on what it is. Uh, Understanding uh, your business. One of the things that we work through as uh, as designers is asking, uh, you know, as many questions as possible to understand what uh, what it is our, uh, our the person who's paying us to do what we're doing is doing. Um, and you know, if they understand it, uh, you know, like we work for uh, Luck and Farley does uh, work for some of the big uh, distribution groups around town that are professionals at what they do. They understand exactly what they want and they're laying the building out for us. We also have clients that uh, that are very good business people, but don't know what they need out of a building. And so asking questions to get to uh, what that is and what that means and walking them through some of the steps to understand what that is. Uh, is really important. We work with visualizations, uh, renderings to help kind of give some uh, some image to what it is we're talking about. Because as architects and engineers, like you know that we don't we work in these like flat line drawings that people who aren't us don't understand what it means. And so, uh, you know, we at Luck and Farley employ uh, Nika is her name, uh, this incredible visualization artist to help us understand what it is we're talking about at an early stage. Um, so pretty interesting. I want to talk a little bit about Luckin and Farley. So I own Premise Construction, and we dealt with several business owners that uh, actually referred to Luckin and Farley. And actually, they were able to take the time and sit down with them and, and ask those 
I mean, there's hundreds of questions that you guys can, that they can ask these guys and that they'll come in with the answers and they've actually done it before. So uh, the administrative services that I want to point out is a highly thing that I think uh, you should get an architectural firm particularly involved with to, to help out with because not all GCs and commercial construction contractors can fulfill all that uh, for your needs. So that's one of the things that I just want to make a comment on it. But um, so I kind of want to change it up a little bit and talk about, I know we went through a pandemic as everyone knows. So, uh, and I've been asking people in all their different fields is has anything changed because of the pandemic? Has anything that affected design or uh, are you seeing like office space or any of that stuff like kind of changing for that aspect? Man, um, so it, uh, interesting, you know, cause you can talk about what what we're doing as a business internally and how that's changed the process of architecture. Uh, but I think your question is like, what are we seeing outside? What's the, what's the world doing? Um, uh, and if you dig into some of the Luckett and Farley stuff, we've got some, uh, a, a fair amount of information on, uh, what's going on. So if you talk about the higher ed world, um, uh, people are going hybrid, right? So a ton of our institutions are, you know, if you want to be in person, be in person. If you want to be working from home, work from home. And we've got the infrastructure to support that uh, as it goes. So like you guys are doing a good job of some people out in the audience and then, a, you know, an incredible setup here to uh, broadcast over the airwaves, uh, not that far uh, distant from the, the higher ed work, from the office space. Like it's, uh, it's incredible, right? Um, uh, you hear Louisville Metro begging people to come back downtown um, and, you know, forming large committees to make that happen and, and drum up with the best ideas to make sure that we revitalize our, our downtown living space. And uh, a big part of that is I don't, you know, I don't have to be downtown anymore. I can I can work from my uh, <laughs> from my dining room table. I can work from my office. I can work from the couch, you know, just as efficiently as I used to from uh, from my desk. And uh, uh, if I've got a bathroom right around the corner that nobody else is going to utilize, it might be where I want to be, you know. Um, and so and so that I think is going to be uh, uh, an interesting outcome. Um, I think over the next year or two we're really going to figure out whether um whether that sticks whether it doesn't you say uh out of a pandemic i still feel like you know with my mask in my back pocket that i'm, I'm still here and uh and it's a it's a an interesting experience to um to have gone through so yeah i mean and, and that's that's kind of a, a sentiment that we've been hearing from people and, and jeff and i have a podcast called the commercial real estate academy and we've been interviewing people from literally across the nation and we've been talking to you know brokers developers and you know, lenders and all these different people across the, the country. And we're starting to get a feel for how people are responding to the post-pandemic world in their own unique ecosystem, whether they're in Jersey or New York or Houston or Dallas, et cetera. And it, it's kind of, we're kind of hearing similar th veins of things that you guys are saying, especially pertaining to office. I feel like there's a lot of people out there that are looking to, you know, re-engage employees and coming back to the office and not necessarily having these silos of people that are across the nation just kind of, you know, doing their own thing. And so, you know, I think that the office environment is going to be shifting significantly over the next couple of years to be able to kind of create more of a welcoming environment and an ecosystem where people feel like they want to come back to work versus just sitting at home and, you know, not engaging as much as they probably should. So it's kind of cool. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you was um, pertaining to some of the projects you guys have been working on, because it's always good to kind of hear, you know, obviously we've talked a little bit about how you guys 
approach the operation of executing a project, but sometimes it's nice to have some context with which to draw on. So if you could provide maybe a example, exactly. If you can provide an example of maybe a project you guys have completed in the, in the near, the, maybe that you've been proud of yourself and how that played out, I think that'd be helpful. Yeah, no, that's, I, yeah, I was, I was trying to think on, on, uh, you know, really what the best example is. Um, we are uh, winding, and you're looking, you're probably looking for a built example, something. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. And so, and you, and you want to know, you know, kind of like, like, you know, I can, I can talk about, I mean, like the YMCA on 18th and Broadway. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so, so yeah, the YMCA, um, Republic Bank Foundation, YMCA, 18th and Broadway, pretty, um, uh, high profile one for us recently and we've got a new design for jcps school going in right behind it which is uh which is rocking um uh you know so from beginning to end that project took for us you know like it was it was in the hopper for you know eight nine ten years something like that you know it only took a couple of years to construct but it was uh being thought about conceived worked through uh financed staffed you know taxes thought through all of these things um, for that amount of time. Um, uh, this one w was awesome. If uh, those familiar with Louisville know that it was on the Brown, uh, uh, Brown and Williamson site. Uh, so a uh, ton of foundry sand um, that needed to be removed from the site to make it safe. Uh, the YMCA is a health organization. Their, uh, their big push is uh, centralized health services. So uh, that that building, the YMCA, was conceived not just as a gym, not just as a um, uh, a pool, you know, for you know, for people to come and exercise. But the idea was to provide services to the community that were all in one spot. So they've got uh, there's a bank there. So uh, financial wellness is important. There uh, we we are wrapping up design on a, a small hospice facility within that building right now. They've got uh, Gilda's Club. There's a teen tech center, um, so a number of different things. And we had to work through uh, what that looks like, what the front face on Broadway is. We all know that um, uh, the West End is a, is a challenged uh, moment for the city right now in, in providing uh, a front and a center and an anchor to, uh, to the Broadway corridor was, uh, was a, a huge thing for, uh, for us, for YMCA, for the community um, that we had to work through. So, you know, in addition to um just building a building there are all of these things that come together to go into it um uh and i think you, you know uh even we were we worked with the uh with the city to try to find an artist that um uh that it ultimately fell through which was a uh could have been an incredible moment on the site um that that spot for the artist is now going to become jcps school so uh, the YMCA, I don't know if you're familiar with the Norton Commons, uh, YMCA, JCPS have a school that's con or have a school and uh, facility connected that uh, allows for uh, the kids to share the gymnasium, the kids to come over and uh, and swim lessons, um, uh, share all of that, uh, that space that goes together. And I think that's one of the things that that we're learning is, uh, you know, as a community, if you can kind of anchor things and share things together, it's a it's an important moment. Um, uh, so, you know, JCPS benefits, YMCA benefits, and most importantly, the kids there benefit, which is pretty awesome. Is it a green build? No, I, I don't remember whether it was, I don't, uh, I think we, I think we designed it to lead standards, but I don't know that there's a plaque inside the building. Good question. And if you want to hold on or write down your questions, we'll do a Q&A right after. Uh, yeah, we, a couple of other questions. 
so if somebody wants to learn more about architectural engineering, just like the process, are there any resources they could go to, like a website maybe, or uh, should we just direct them just straight to Luckett and Farley's website, or, or is there actual like a national resource or anything like that that people can actually go to and like just read up a little bit to familiarize themselves uh, so they're not so new and not knowing what type of questions you know they they can ask. So. Yeah, so um, I, uh, architect by training, that's my background. The AIA is an excellent resource. It's our professional organization that uh, gives a lot of information and, you know, like like dumb leads on the website. So you want to build a building, uh, click here, and it's um, uh, we'll walk you through some of those things just from a, a super high level. Um, and then, and then beyond that, some of the uh, there are some more specific facility type organizations that uh, that provide a good understanding of what the process actually looks like. Or, or call me. Yeah, that's definitely a good call. I would definitely encourage you guys to reach out to Luckett and Farley. Like, like Jeff was saying, they do phenomenal work around the city. So um, it really is an honor to have you guys here for sure. So we wanted to be able to kind of open up to Q&A um, to talk a little bit. If you guys have any questions pertaining to architecture, engineering, maybe your project you're working on yourself, if you're in development or whatever else, and you kind of wanted to get some feedback, I think this would be a good opportunity to kind of talk a little bit about that. So yeah, so we, we draw on a, a, a couple of different groups. Um, I, I wouldn't say that we have a go-to necessarily on uh, uh, site legal issues um, because, you know, uh, our our civil team and our, our planning team does a pretty good job of walking through the process and understands it. But when uh, when you do need to go through some of the uh, changes in zoning and make sure that you've got uh, deeds identified, covenants identified, anything that carries along with that, um, uh, we use a handful of different attorneys. Sometimes, uh, sometimes the owner has a recommendation that they'd like us to utilize as well. Um, so I, I don't wanna plug anybody right now just because there, there are a few that we work with. So I had a quick question pertaining to, you know, an existing structure. So um, what what are some of the hurdles that you face out when you're doing some maybe like an adaptive reuse or redevelopment? Because I'd imagine in a situation where you're doing a an exist or, or just a bare police piece of ground, you, there's probably, you know, one set of things you can do versus a redevelopment or a re adaptive reuse where, now you have to contend with the structure. Maybe there's other things that, you know, deferred maintenance, et cetera. So, so maybe if you could talk a little bit about, you know, some of the inherent struggles in that process and how you guys have, you know, utilize your, your, your expertise to overcome some of those. Yeah. So uh, adaptive reuse versus, uh, versus green with, or, you know, new build, which is um, uh, really interesting from a, from a what's available and what's the quickest path standpoint. Sometimes that adaptive reuse can be uh, a very good way to get things done. It's uh, uh, especially if what you're wanting to do fits with what that actually is. Um, uh, the challenges with adaptive reuse are uh, what's been done. You know, knowing exactly knowing what the structure is. So if you are looking to reuse something but really tweak it, then you know having an engineer. Uh, structural engineer on hand uh, to understand what that is can be can be challenging. Um, availability of what you can see. So, like, what's interesting with adaptive reuse, and you walk into a space that's uh, that's built out and finished, but you're like, I don't want any of this. I want to I want to totally redo it. You don't know what's behind all of that stuff that's on the walls, on the ceiling, uh, underneath the ground. You don't have a great idea until you start pulling things apart um, and getting into it. So that can be a challenge. Um, uh, from the from the new build side of things, like 
we like it because it's controlled, right? It's like doing something in a, in a lab where uh, you don't have any, any messy stuff to have to deal with. It's all clean and neat. You know when the contractor asks you like, uh, you know, what's this? You know exactly what it is. It's not something where you're like, well, we think it might be, you know, that over there. Um, there's, there's a lot more knowns and a lot more control over uh, doing something brand new. So, uh, uh, you know, um, but from the environment standpoint, uh, utilizing things that are available, not having to uh, fresh, you know, fresh new steel to go along with it, not having to, you know, brand new concrete. If you can reuse something that's already there uh, from a, a sustainable standpoint, it makes a lot of sense to go uh, adaptive reuse. Um, for us, uh, one of the things Luck and Farley uh, really uh, benefits from is having both our architects and engineers in-house. So, um, uh, so when we have clients that are like, hey, I've got this thing, I want to redo uh, this, can you, you know, like, what do you think about that? And um, if, if I'm an architect without a suite of engineers to work with, then I've got to go ask somebody, hey, I need your opinion, we've got this client that needs this stuff, as opposed to, uh, you know, Hey Joe, we're going to go talk about to so and so about this. Um, it, it's right there and available, and uh, expertise in house that we don't have to go outside for. Yeah, and, and again, it's it's more so just because a lot of people, especially when they're starting to get into the development space, and I know Jeff and I were looking to get in the development space doing our first project. A lot of the buildings you see out there that are maybe not, you know, they're 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 currently vacant or maybe they're in in distress in some capacity. And there may be able to an opportunity to bring some new life to it. It's always good to know that there's an, there's professionals out there that you can tap into in order to, you know, get a better idea of what can and can't be done. So you have a question? Yeah. So so the question real quick, just for the guys who are watching, it's 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 pertaining to the historic districts. And this this is prevalent across the nation. So I think it'd be a great question to ask. He's just quite he's asking questions pertaining to redevelopment or, or reuse of structures that are in historic districts and how you adapt to that. Yeah, so um, so helpful to have a, a, a architect who specializes in historic buildings uh, because they can then talk the language. There, um, uh, depending on how things are set up with regard to the requirements, whether it's part of a district, whether it's a building that's specific to uh, uh, historically significant, um, you'll find a range of what can and can't be done. Um, architects will talk about a couple of different things. Uh, some things that are like preserve and protect, meaning don't do anything else with it. Try to restore like super historic significant structures, uh, restore it to its original condition, ideally to its original use. Then you go down from there, um, uh, you know, like historic building, we want to make sure that we preserve it. Let's find the best economic use for it. Uh, try to keep it as best as you can. Uh, what does that look like? Our uh, historic architect, we have one on staff, um, uh, can help walk you through that process. There are different and additional um, uh, requirements the, um, uh, through the uh, Secretary of the Interior that, that have specific guidelines that, that walk you through the steps on what can and can't be done depending on a specific building's registration. Um, but it is challenging, you know, especially for, uh, for uh, you know, like a, a homeowner that's like, oh, you know, like, I switched out my windows because that's what I want to do. And they're like, you know, like they get a knock on the door from somebody who's like, you shouldn't have done that. Why did, why did you do that? So like, it's a, it's a, it's a painful moment um, for somebody who doesn't understand what that process is. So that's a, that's a great question. So for those of you guys who are watching online, so just to give you guys some backdrop that aren't in Louisville, um, Louisville right now, we're having some issues downtown as far as feeling office space is concerned. I think the, the office towers downtown are, 
I think below 50% occupancy right now. And so he was asking questions pertaining if he's gotten, if Luckett and Farley has gotten any uh, calls from office owner buildings or office or owners of these office buildings that are looking to maybe reimagine what that office building looks like, whether that's, you know, redeveloping in some capacity, maybe incorporating residential or something like that in, in, in the structure. So. Yeah. And so absolutely. Um, and, and, you know, and, and from two different perspectives, one, the owner to the tenant, right? Uh, so tenants are looking to uh, what can I do to either consolidate space or, you know, bring my employees back to the office space. What can, what can we do to be uh, enticing them to show them that this is a place where they want to come and collaborate with their colleagues. Uh, the owners are providing uh, creative amenity spaces, um, uh, coffee shops, fitness areas, uh, opening up more of their public space to uh, create uh, synergy, trying to uh, mix up the tenant mix so that, you know, like they are, you know, like if, if uh, financial services groups all in one building to try to gain some uh, some energy there. So, so yes, we have, um, we've, we've been, uh, we've worked with some owners and we've worked with some tenants along those lines. Uh, and, uh, and, and I alluded to it earlier, uh, a group, a large group of, uh, prominent citizens and business owners, um, uh, came together to, uh, kind of define some, uh, specific, uh, points that could be, that could be done. I forget, you might know the, uh, the name of the group and where to kind of access some of what, the outcome was, and you know, so uh, a lot of the a lot of the business owners, uh, um, Humana, JLL, who leases a ton of space, um, uh, the city, GLI, all uh, all sitting on uh, uh, you know, kind of an ad hoc um, government panel to to revitalize and talk through what what can be done. And so I know some of those things are in motion right now, you, and you're probably reading about some of them online. Um, uh, that, I don't know. We were a part of that. Uh, six nine months ago something like that yeah it's exciting to see that there's some movement as far as revitalizing downtown because i feel like any any time you're trying to compete with sister cities like indianapolis and cincinnati and nashville in order to attract the the workforce or the 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 businesses that we know is going to what's what's going to make louisville thrive it's always great to have a vibrant downtown to kind of pull people in so excited to hear that uh that those efforts are being made so when they when they replace the windows and then get that knock on the door, you know that's 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 when you should have hired an architect or somebody to help you out with that. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, you know from for me, like I've got a biased opinion. Um, there are times from a development standpoint that that uh, you know an owner and a contractor can muscle things through, you know, and I and I don't. You know, like I, I'm I, like I promote design, I promote engineering. That's what that's that's why I'm here. Um, but but there are times when you, you can't do it. And and as our architects, man, we get like there are times you like you walk into a building, you're like, what the hell did they do? Because you know that 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 wouldn't fly. And but because you muscled it through as an as an owner and a contractor, you know, or just as an owner yourself, you're like, yeah, you know, like it, it's a um, the lay person is held to a different standard than the professional is. Um, and so there are times when it makes sense to do that, but when you get, you know, like when you get in over your head, um, you know, especially if you're dealing with life safety, like getting people out of a building safely, if you're dealing with structure, making sure that the building doesn't fall down on your head, those things, you know, you know, are, are kind of prime importance. Um, you know, when you're talking about environment, so all your guests are hot, like, ah, you know, like nobody's dying, nobody, but, 
you know, but like, it's something you probably want to figure out again, a professional can, can help you out with that. So yeah. So hire a professional. Yeah. And so it's, so one of the reasons, you know, to hire an architect or engineer is because we we've walked down this path a lot, you know, and, and a planner from a zoning standpoint, you know, a, a utilization of space standpoint, what, you know, MSD requirements, like, yeah. And, and for, a, for, you know, a, a person who's not walked through the process before, like, you know, a lot of things are straightforward. Um, but, but there are a lot of things that are under the surface that you don't, that you don't know anything about and, uh, and are really, you know, important to be asking questions of. And, and I mean, I'm sure they can speak to this as well, like a build out of a space and you're, you're talking like restaurants and various other components that incorporate public safety and health. You know, if, if you try to ad hoc it with someone who doesn't necessarily have the experience, then you run the risk of not getting your proper permitting and fines and all this other stuff. So, and you just don't want to deal with it. You know, I've, I've had other people that, that I've worked with that are like trying to cut corners and save in some capacity. I'm like, uh, I don't, I don't know if I want to risk that, <laughs> you know, I mean, if it's your business, like if you want to risk it, then good for you, but you know, it may not be your business much longer. Yeah. So what Boz was saying about, um, you know, seek a professional first is the whole life as uh, safety aspect of it. Like if you're in the commercial realm and you're a commercial owner, uh, business owner and you're working with a contractor, you really do need to uh, have them or someone, they, they need an architect to, to cover all those life safety. That, that's a big deal. I mean, you're, you have a business and now all the public's in you. Well, guess what? You know, you're responsible for them. So your all the systems in your business and everything has to work perfectly. So uh, I just dealing with a, a business owner, uh, probably six months ago, ran into the same situation and they're trying to do all these things. And I'm like, look, uh, I'm not an architect. I do know all the systems, but we need to get this stamped and we need to get, you know, a lot of eyes on this to make sure, because if you're just going to open up this business and say you have 60 people in there and it catches on fire, well, if you don't have suppression systems and fire dampers and all these things set in place, like I highly, I always encourage uh, people to, to go to the professional first. A contractor's great. They do design builds and stuff like that. They always have architects and other eyes that are on that. So, you shall too, as an owner, you, you owe it to, you know, the public to, to take care of them. So. Yeah. It, the Kentucky building code is uh, 1600 pages thick. Right. And, and there's a reason for it. It's just, it's to keep people safe and to make sure that you are uh, it outlines uh, all the codes and regulations and the laws that you're supposed to be following. And, you know, generally uh, if you're thinking from a common sense standpoint, it plays out, but, uh, you might not be thinking about, um, well, if I'm going to have 200 people in this space, which, you know, and I've only got one exit and it doesn't open out, it opens in, you know, and there's a panic and everybody hits the door and it's like bad, bad things happen. Uh, and, and it's, you know, there are codes and regulations in place. And if you're, you know, willing to do the homework to read through the code, great. Um, or you could hire somebody who, who knows it like the back of their hand. Um, so it's, yeah, to your point. That was a long-winded answer to your question, Luke. Hire, hire, hire a professional. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure, you, I'm sure you learned a lot from it, but you know, if you can hire someone and save yourself the heartache and, and time, I feel like it's worth it. So, sure. so the question is uh, pertaining to the pipeline of new architects and some of the struggles that, that, that I'm sure a lot of industries are facing recruiting and retaining top talent. So if they kind of wanted to ask you pertaining to that. Yeah. And so, of course, just like right now, any industry, it's um, it's not uh, an employer's market. It's an employee's market. Um, 
Uh, and so kind of your question about, um, uh, you know, owners of buildings, like we're trying to make sure that we're putting things in place. Luckett and Farley, I didn't mention is, a uh, is an ESOP. So we're all employee owners. So we do, we do things, um, a little bit differently over there. Um, uh, for us, it's not all, uh, all of the, uh, we don't have three partners at the top controlling everything and, and receiving all the benefits and the risk that goes along with that. Um, uh, what we are doing is uh, Luckett and Farley's large enough that we are able to go hit a lot of different career fairs, um, uh, Ball State, Miami of Ohio, Cincinnati, um, all of the regional uh, spots and locations to go out and talk through what we're doing. And um, being innovative and being creative um, uh, plays a big part of that. You know, uh, people coming out of school want to be uh uh, work for a group that is thinking intelligently and is thinking both with their best interests in mind as well as the interests of the public in mind. Um, and so we we work to uh, we work to sell those things. Um, so it, and then you know and then once we bring in in the door to retain them and make sure that they're happy with where they are. So we you know you got to be competitive on uh, wages, which is you know always a balance from a business standpoint. Um, uh, how much we can charge from a fee standpoint. So it's. Um, uh, it's it's a it's a cycle that we pay close attention to, um, uh, and then you know like uh, most speaking for the architecture industry, like we do, uh, we all work uh, in mentorship type programs. We want to make sure that uh, people coming out of school, uh, architects and engineers, uh, are paired up with experienced professionals that know how to do things and um, uh, can give good guidance to those uh, to those new and inexperienced folks who who just need somebody to walk the line for them. Great advice. Okay. So we probably have time for one more question. I want to make sure that we, yeah. So if, so the question is, if you have any questions pertaining to architecture, engineering, if you're working on a project, how can we get in contact with you? Yeah. So look at partly.com and I've got business cards. Yeah. So, uh, so my name is Boz Lindgren, uh, uh, market director for corporate commercial and hospitality, as well as civic at Luckett and Farley, uh, luckettandfarley.com. Um, uh, for me, 502-619-9446 um, is my cell phone number, 502-619-9446. This, this is weird. Um, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, right? It, yeah. Um, uh, and I'll be around. I, I, I'll have business cards afterwards. Well, awesome, guys. Well, thank you all for stopping by. We're going to be this. Is, this actually happens every single month. We're going to do it the third Wednesday of every month. And uh, the purpose of the, the meetup really is to foster a community of people who are interested in commercial real estate. So if you're a developer, investor, uh, broker, uh, regardless, we're just all trying to learn and grow together and help each other out as far as what the resources are that we have at our disposal, because we have a pretty broad network. And I'm, I mean, we have the organizations like CCIM and so, so several other larger organizations, but it, I think it'd be nice to have a, a Louisville centric uh, organization where we can really help each other out in our, in our endeavors. So cool. Well, thanks guys. I appreciate you coming by. Yeah. And I just want to speak for the people on this live and on the recording. Uh, we're going to do this like Raphael said once a month. Uh, so if you have any ideas or you want to learn about a certain aspect of commercial real estate, please reach out to one of us uh, and we'll find the, the expert, the local expert that will, They'll come up and speak and onto that topic. So, but yeah, thanks guys. Thanks, boss, for coming out. Thanks, Appreciate it.